Well, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter number nine, Matthew and chapter number nine, as we stand in honor of God's word. It is good uh, to have uh, the brewers here with us. This will be their last Sunday and uh, they'll be going back to Brazil. They are missionaries there for over 40 years. And so we're, he's going to say a word tonight and uh, as they get ready to leave on Tuesday, preacher, is that right? Tuesday. So sure glad about uh, them being able to go back. And uh, good to have others here as well as we've already mentioned. We've been in a series in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and, and Matthew is doing much like what the songs have intended to do today, and that's to turn their attention to the Lord, many of whom, uh, many had trusted Him as their Savior, and He's just helping them, uh, which, like what we often need, just be assured, you've trusted the right person. If you've trusted Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've believed that He's the Messiah, you are on solid ground to believe such. And Matthew's making that case to a largely Jewish audience, but not exclusively Jewish audience. Also to some Gentiles like you and I, uh, because He came not to be the Savior just of the Jews, but of the whole world, of all people. And so uh, He's making that case, making that point. And so I'd like to do a little bit of review as we get into it here this morning. But let's just begin our reading now in verse number one of chapter nine, Matthew chapter nine. In fact, we're right here at our theme. Chapter nine, verse 38 is our theme verse for the year. And so we're building up to that. And, and so it's really great timing in the year that we would be there towards the end of this year, get ready for our friend day and think about into his harvest. So a perfect timing and uh, evidence to me that I didn't plan this. But that God, I believe, works providentially to have us where we are in our series as we try to follow uh, his lead. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. This was a paralyzed man and obviously not able to walk. Lying on a bed, it says, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. <laughs> cheer up. <laughs> be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. You said, I, I thought his problem was that he was paralyzed. He had a bigger problem than that. Yeah. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, the scripture says, and behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, within themselves, didn't say it out loud, just thought it. This man blasphemeth. You hear him? Well, Jesus did. And verse four says, and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, which he knows ours too, and said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Busted. Right there. And then he says this, for whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk. Which one's easier? But that ye may know, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed and go into thine house. Go into thine house. 
And verse 7, he arose and departed to his house, left them wondering what in the world just happened. <laughs> but when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Let's keep reading verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew. So this would actually be the writer of this book of the Bible, by the way. This is his personal testimony. He's writing in third person. All right. Um, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. He's at the toll booth. Does that help you? He's at the toll booth. <laughs> and he said unto him, Jesus said unto Matthew, follow me. And then notice what it says. And he arose. And followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Now, Mark and Luke would point out that it was Levi or Matthew's house. Same man. So at his house, behold, many publicans, many tax collectors, many toll booth workers <laughs> and sinners came and sat down with him. Notice this and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? They weren't bold enough to say it to him. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. <laughs> I like what he says next, verse 15. But go ye and learn. He's saying that to the scribes who thought they were the scholars of the day. He said, you need to learn the basics right here. Yeah. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. And by the way, I think a lot of us need to go and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Notice this. For I am not come to call the righteous. Which by the way, the Bible says there's an unrighteous, no, not one. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to what? Repentance. And if you come to repentance, friend, you'll have forgiveness. So today the title of the message is this, simply this, the power to forgive. The power to forgive. Jesus has the authority. Jesus has the power to forgive. Help for those paralyzed by their past. Help for those paralyzed by their past. May God bless the reading of his word. We'll get right to it today. Considering these two portions of Matthew 9. That further demonstrate that he is indeed the Messiah. <clears throat> I want you to consider this with me here this morning as we begin. That many of the people that God has used have had to move past their past. In fact, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's no man that sinneth not except for the Lord Jesus Christ, mind you. Moses. Moses buried an Egyptian soldier in the, in, in the sand there and in Egypt. And, and once it was found out, he thought he'd also buried his hopes. But God was able to forgive 
and had power to forgive and power to help Moses to be what Moses was to be. And he walked away from his past to follow God's will. Rahab. I mentioned the very name Rahab and those of you that are Bible readers would recognize it as Rahab. Say it with me, the harlot. Rahab the harlot. But God has power to forgive even a harlot, even a harlot, even a woman that had had a bad reputation in town in Jericho and, and people knew her and she had a past. But hey, listen, when God saved her, God gave her an incredible future. In fact, she's in the lineage of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't tell me God doesn't have a plan for those that have a past. He does. Saul, the very name of Saul would at one time have uh, put fear into the lives of Christians that huddled together, gathered together in, in secret locations because of the persecution that, that really Saul was managing, that Saul was overseeing. And, and yet on his way to Damascus to cause more trouble to the Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was risen from the dead, met Saul there on his way and put him on his back and, and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And that day Saul was saved. That day Saul was converted. That day Saul left his past behind to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus he wrote this, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, 1 Timothy chapter 1, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before who was before, aren't you thankful that it was in the past for, for Paul? Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the, listen to this, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant with, with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all the acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am chief. He's got the power to forgive. Every one of these individuals and more, including this man that was, that was healed here of, of not just his paralysis, but of, of his lack of ability to walk with God because of his sin. This man and Matthew and Peter and James and John and others and Mary Magdalene and, and, and Mary and others that are there. Listen, and many that are here today have learned this, that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has power to forgive. Power to forgive. But I, I would imagine today that there'd be someone and maybe more than just one, but even if it were just one, I, I couldn't get past that thought that here was, here was a big crowd that was gathered together, but here was this one man that was forgiven of his sin that day. And I'm telling you, that whole day was worth it because that man went home different. Well, he sure did. He walked home that day. He hadn't walked and I don't know how long, if ever, he was paralyzed. But he walked home that day different because when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't go home the same. But there may be someone here today that's listening to this message and, and, and you in the depths of your heart because of perhaps even secret sin in your life that maybe nobody else knows about, but you're paralyzed today. You, you, don't, you don't feel like God can use you. Are you listening to me here this morning? You, you don't feel like God can use you. You don't feel like there's any hope. You may, you may even feel like today, listen, I, I, I know what that's like and many others here today know what that's like. You feel like you can't get past your past. 
Like you can't get over it. You can't get over your sin. I'm here to tell you today on the authority of the word of God, not based on who I am or even what this church is, except that we're redeemed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and cleansed by his blood. On the authority of who Jesus is today, he's got the power to forgive you. You don't have to be paralyzed. You don't have to be paralyzed. We use that terminology, don't we? You know, somebody's paralyzed by fear. That means it's, they're stunned. They can't move any, anywhere else. They're, they're hung up. They're, they're, they're frozen. Well, people can be paralyzed more than just by fear, but they can be paralyzed by their past. Thinking, how could God forgive me? How could God use somebody like me? How could God even care? How could God even love? I'm telling you today, friend, he has the power to forgive. Somebody here today, no doubt, that is messed up. I mean, all of us. Come on, let's just be honest today. We've all messed up. We're all messed up and we've messed up. You're messed up. <laughs> Thanks for coming to church today. I'm messed up. We're messed up. We all are. We're messed up people. We have a fallen nature that, that, that could only, the only way we could be right with God and even be able to go to heaven is if he gave us a new nature to be born again. We're messed up. I'm telling you, we don't need reformation. We need repentance. You need repentance. You don't need 12 steps to be a better person. No, that'll do you no good. It'll do you no good if you don't know him as your savior. I'm telling you, you, you need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to him in faith and he's got the power to forgive. There's somebody that no doubt and maybe many that have messed up in relationships. You've got a messed up marriage. You've got a messed up, you've got a failed marriage. You've got, a, you've got something in your past. Maybe it was even years ago, but it, but it still just haunts you to this day. And you've lost trust. You've lost maybe your testimony. You've, you've given into vice or you've, or you've just been living in bitterness or anger. Hey, I'm telling you that God has power to forgive. I just want you to know that up front. Again, Matthew is demonstrating the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through various scenes that happen in, in the life of the Lord Jesus. And, and if we had time, we could go back into chapter 8, and, and it really would help us to kind of get a good run at it because in chapter 8, here's what he says to the troubled sea. Peace be still, and suddenly there was a calm. And then to a man, and in fact, there was two demonic, uh, two men that had demonic beings living within their bodies, legion. In fact, it was many of them, and so Jesus commanded those evil spirits to go out of the man and out of those men and they went into the to the swine that were feeding in the country and they ran violently into the into the sea here's here's what Matthew is saying listen I was I, I he's giving report from from those that saw that take place he's giving report to say this listen he's got the power over nature and he's got the power of demonic beings but here he's saying he's got the power to forgive power to forgive this man needed to leave his past behind, and so do you. Did you hear me? This man needed to leave his past behind. Matthew needed to leave his past behind. And, and you need to leave your past behind to walk with him today. Can you imagine what this was like? Matthew doesn't give us all the details, but you can read the other gospel accounts. Matthew, I believe, is really just honed in, just focused in on the fact that he has the power to forgive. But Mark tells us and Luke tells us that while Jesus was gathered in this house, most likely that a house in Capernaum, he'd been on, on, the, uh, 
on the uh, west side of the Sea of Galilee, on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and he's going back to the west side of the Sea of Galilee at Capernaum, and he's in this house. Maybe it was back in Peter's home, but nonetheless, he was there in this house, and many people had gathered. In fact, it was such a packed place, it was such a packed house, that these men that were carrying this man, this man that had not been able to walk, and maybe his paralysis was even worsening. It was getting, getting worse and worse day by day, and here's what they thought. They were going to have a friend day. Here's what they were going to do. They were going to have a friend day to do this. They thought this. If we could just get our friend to Jesus. That's why here in just about a few weeks, we're going to have a friend day because we believe this. If we can just get our friend to Jesus, Jesus can help them. And they couldn't get in the door. They couldn't get in the windows. They couldn't get in the back door. So the only thing they knew to do was go up on the roof. And up on the roof is it was dried clay and, and boards that were put together there, not like our roof with shingles and, and, and a steep pitch, but it was more of a flat roof. And, and so they went up and they began to break it up and there was stuff, debris falling. And somebody must have looked up and some little kid said, hey, mom, dad, look at that. And here was this man that they lowered down and they had a rope system, something like that. And they lowered this man down. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. It wasn't just the faith of the man that was the paralyzed man. It was their, plural, their faith. Their faith. And, and so these four men, I wish we had time to deal with this, but these four men really stand as either an example or a rebuke to the rest of us that these men went to great lengths. In fact, Bob Jones Sr. said that the test of your character is determined by what it takes to stop you. And here are these men. They couldn't get in by any other means. And so they began breaking up the roof. I imagine they probably paid for that later. Well, that's not in the text, but I do know this. When they couldn't get in one way, they went in another way. Why? Because they had to get the friend of Jesus. I'm, I'm asking you today here, friend, before we move on, how hard are you working to bring somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ? I believe that we need to be awakened from our stupor. I know God's dealt with me here lately. I don't know about you, but, but that we can, with, uh, with COVID and other things, we can kind of get a little bit soft on thinking, well, you know, we can't do evangelism today. We can't do, we can't reach out to people. No, listen, today's the day we've got to reach out to others. These men made a great effort to bring their friend to Jesus and they lowered him down. And, and Jesus spoke to this man and he said, this son... The word is literally child. I believe from the very get-go, this man knew I'm in for something good right here. Son, son, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be helped here today. Cheer up. Cheer up, there's hope. Cheer up today, there's hope. He's still who he was then. Be of good cheer. He says, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. The word forgive means this, let go. Literally, they are remitted. You are released from them. How about this? You are pardoned. That sounds good. Sin is that which is a violation of God's will. It's breaking God's law. It's doing what is wrong. And by the way, when you do what is wrong and against God, there's penalty for that. The Bible makes it plain that the wages of sin is death. But what if you met a man that could say to you, I let it go. I remember it no more. 
An individual came to Clara Barton and uh, said to her, because she was surprised that, that Clara had, had moved on past an offense that this other person had towards her. And here's what Miss Barton said. She said this, I distinctly remember forgetting that. It's good. I distinctly remember forgetting that. How aren't you thankful today that through the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he shed his blood for us on the cross was buried and rose again, that when you trust him as your savior, he says of your sins, I remember your sins no more. I distinctly remember forgetting that. Say that as the Wycliffe translators were working to try to translate the word forgiveness into a Peruvian tribe that, that, uh, of native, native speakers, that, that their, their idea of forgiveness was this, speak to me. That was their idea, that was their understanding of, of, of how they conveyed what we know as the verb forgive. They said this, for, they said this, sorry, not forgive me. They said this, speak to me. You know why? Because they weren't on speaking terms. Speak to me. Speak to me. Aren't you thankful today that when we call upon the name of the Lord, he is faithful to save. And there's no offense on his side. No offense on his side. It's all an offense on our side. And, and we're not on speaking terms before salvation. But thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through him, and he's the mediator between God and man. He'll be your mediator here today, friend. If you don't know him as your savior, you can trust him and you can be on speaking terms with God. As one man said about his wife, as they had argument after an argument, he was telling his friend, man, my wife, as we get in an argument, she just gets historical on me. He said, friend, do you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical because when we get an argument, she's bringing up everything that I've done in the past. Maybe she was hysterical and historical. Again, I'm thankful that when God forgives us, he doesn't get historical on us later. Praise his holy name today. I'm saying to you today that he has the power to release you, to pardon you, to forgive you. He and he alone. I, I know I've mentioned it here before, but, but for the sake of maybe someone here that, that is thinking about some other means of forgiveness, maybe you think, well, maybe if I do better from now on, try that, won't work. What are you gonna do about the rest, about the sins of your past? What are you going to do right there? And maybe you say, well, I'll go, I'll go and, and join a church or I'll go through the waters of baptism and that'll wash away my sins. There's not enough water in any baptistry to wash away the sins that we've committed. It's only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven, friend. And so there was this woman that was, that was dying and the priest came to, to do her last rites and to forgive her of her sins. And here's what she said to him. Show me your hands. He said, my hands, ma'am? Yes, show me your hands. He said, well, here's my hands. And she said this, I'm sorry, sir, but you're not able to forgive me of my sins. Because <laughs> the only one that is able to forgive me of my sins has nail prints in his hands. Listen, you won't be forgiven today because some priest, earthly priest, pronounces you forgiven. You can only be forgiven if the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, says that you're forgiven. And he has the authority to forgive you. Thy sins are forgiven thee. <sighs> Did you hear the scribes say <sighs> in their minds? 
Who does this guy think he is? Who is this man? Your sins be forgiven you. That's blasphemy. I'll tell you what that is. That's, that's just an insult to God. That, that, is, that is degrading to God that this man would say, you, you, you. Jesus heard their thoughts. I remind you, he hears your thoughts. I wonder if we dropped the screen down and showed all your thoughts right here. I, mean, I wonder how many we'd have left in the service after a little while. Huh? He heard their thoughts and he said, he said, wherefore? He didn't say, what are you thinking? He didn't need to ask what. He asked why. Why are you thinking that way? Wherefore have ye evil thoughts in your heart? Which one's easier? Okay, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit if you just bear with me a moment. Which, where, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or arise and take up thy bed and walk? Which one's easier? Well, on one hand, you might say, well, actually, it's kind of easier to say your sins are forgiven you because how do you know if a person's sins are forgiven you? Right? So I say to Brother Eric, Eric, your sins are forgiven. Well, fine. How does anybody else know his sins are forgiven if I'm a man saying that? You see, on one hand, that would be easier. On the other hand, rise, take up thy bed and walk is harder. But really, when you think about it, to actually forgive somebody of their sin is much more difficult. In fact, it's humanly impossible. It takes a work of God. And that's why they said this is blasphemy. Because you... I'm pointing my finger at Jesus being a scribe. You, being a man, make yourself God. They put two and two together. And Jesus did not deny their claim that he was God. Now, it was not blasphemy because he was God. And he said this, that you may know that the Son of Man, that's a, that's a title of his Messiahship, that's, that's, uh, that actually has ties back to Daniel chapter 7 and how the Son of Man would come in the clouds. Hey, listen, yes, it does have to do with his humanity. It does have to do with his humility, but it also has to do with his deity, that he is God in the flesh, come to earth. And he says, listen, I want you to know this. I have power to forgive sin when I'm in heaven, but I also have power to forgive sin when I'm on earth. And so that you know I have my power Power has not waned just because I've changed locations. Is everybody following this right here? Just because I've moved from there to here temporarily does not mean that I've lost my ability to forgive. And so just to demonstrate that, I say to you, take up your bed and walk. And that man picked up his bed and went home. I'm telling you, he walked away different that day. He walked away from his past. There was nothing he could do to help himself. There was no way he could change his own circumstances. But here's what he did. He had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he changed him. Why? Because he has the power to forgive you. Some of you may be in your sin. Some of you may be yet unforgiven. I say to you on the authority of the word of God today, he's got the power to forgive you of your sin. You say, yes, but what about this sin or that sin or that and all those things in my past? Hey, listen, there's never been a sin he can't forgive. His blood is sufficient to save all. It doesn't matter how long you've been in sin or where you are in the midst of sin. He's got the power if you just trust him. You can walk away from your past or you can just lay there in it wallow in your past. Which one do you want? Even today, believers, would you let me say a word to you as well? Because, hang on, let me catch my breath. Even though you're saved and born again and in God's family, the fact of the matter is we still sin. Isn't that right? Still sin. 
Not proud of that, but we have to ask God often to forgive us of a bad attitude. Ask him to forgive us of doubt. Ask him to forgive us of anger. Ask him to forgive us of lust. Ask him to forgive us. You say, and somebody's lost here saying, man, well, that's all stuff I'd struggle with. If Christians struggle with that, then there's no hope for me. Oh, yes, there is the same hope that's for us because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and cleanses us and cleanses us and cleanses us from all sins. Not that we might keep sinning, but rather this, that we might have a walk with God. But it is evident from the Word of God, New Testament and Old, that even believers, even like David and Moses and Joshua and Caleb and on and on, just like all of them, they sinned against God and yet God helped them get it right. You may be here today and you're, you're saved by the grace of God and yet, yet in, in your maybe even recent history here, maybe even as recent as of last night, you failed again. Or even this week, you lost it again. I'm not talking about your salvation. You can't lose that. I'm talking about you lost your temper. You lost, you, you lost, you lost your courage. Whatever it is, you've, you, you've, you've sinned against God. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, he's a God who forgives sin. If we, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he has the power to forgive you. And you can lay there and wallow in your, in your shame because sin brings it and your guilt and you can wallow in yesterday's failures or you can listen to the Savior and he says, get up and walk. I've never regretted the day when I heard my Savior say, get up and walk. You walk away from your past. Walk away from it. Every now and then your past, it will come knocking, but you don't have to answer the door. Matthew. An outcast in his own society. Unclean by Pharisee standards. Because though being a Jew, he's helping the filthy Romans. Sold his soul to Rome. Right? Extortioner. Taking some of the money for himself. Rome didn't mind if you did that as long as you gave them their money. Sitting on that east side of the Sea of Galilee, catching everybody for their, for as they came across so they'd pay taxes on their goods despised by the Jews. I don't know what landed him there. I don't know if he had a past and, and his situation and some bad decisions he made, but he started skipping synagogue and not going there anymore. And next thing, one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, he's among sinners and he's among other people. And one of the publicans says, hey, you, you could get a job as a publican, a tax collector. So he joined the IRS of Jerusalem and he went to work. And evidently it was a very, are you listening to me here? Very lucrative. How do you know that? Well, he had a house and had a bunch of people over. A bunch, many, big house, lots of food. <laughs> How'd he get all that money? Some for Rome, some for me. 
It was a very lucrative business. And here's, here's another reason I say that. Because in Luke chapter number 5, as it describes the salvation of Matthew, it says this, he left it all. He forsook it all. You check it out later. Literally, is that, again, it's, it's tied the same way. He left it all behind, indicating he could not go back to it. Because once he did that, then the publicans wouldn't take him back again. Is most likely the indication. He left it all. Why? Because although he was despised by his own society, there was one man in his society named Jesus who rather than despising him, loved him. And he came to Matthew and he saw Matthew sitting there at the receipt of custom and he said to Matthew, Matthew, follow me. And immediately he left all and followed him. He left his past behind to walk with Jesus. Don't think that when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that will leave you sad and lonely. Somebody says, oh man, he walked away from so much. I mean, you think about maybe some well-known actor that walked away from that business because of all the wickedness that was in that or somebody that was saved and they walked away, maybe like a missionary named C.T. Studd who was, I know we don't think much about cricket. We don't know what cricket is, kind of like baseball, but, but he walked away from really professional cricket to, to be a missionary and, and he walked away from that. And somebody today would say, what a waste, what great talent has gone to waste. What great sacrifice. Here's what C.T. Studd said. He said this, if Jesus be God, and died for me, then nothing I could do could be counted as a sacrifice for him. No, don't, don't look at it that way to say, well, if somebody walked away from a big business, somebody walked away from an NFL career, somebody walked away from this, that somehow they've taken a demotion. No, if they're following the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, listen, they're at the highest part of life ever. Matthew wasn't bummed about it. Matthew threw a big party. And who did he invite? More publicans. Matthew had a friend day at his own house. He had a friend day and invited all the publicans, Republicans, publicans, sinners. He, invite, he invited them all. He invited, and they were having this, this huge party. And why? Why do you think they had that? I think it was this. Matthew wanted every one of them to know, here's the man that changed my life. you hear them? There they are again. Same scribes. Hey, come here. Why is your master sitting and eating with publicans and sinners? You know why he's sitting and eating with them? Not to condone what they're doing, but because he loves sinners. And he had his disciples there. You know, I think Friend Day, obviously it helps people that are not saved to come to Christ. But I'll tell you what else it does. It helps us as a church, as, as his church here at 54th and Blackwelder, to realize our Savior loves sinners and it helps us to love them too. And Jesus knew what they were saying and said this, they that are well don't need a physician. But those that are sick. Now, in the Pharisees' mind and the scribes' mind, they thought everybody else, everybody around here is sick in sin except me. They didn't realize how sick they were. He said, I did not come to call the righteous, 
By the way, he didn't come to congratulate the Pharisees and scribes. He didn't come to say, y'all are doing a great job. Keep up your self-righteousness. No, he came to show them they had no righteousness. But thank God he came to save that which was lost. He said, I've come to have mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, I'm not interested in religious exercises. I want to show mercy to sinners. And I came to call sinners to repentance. Because when a sinner repents, you know what repent means? Repent means this, a change of mind that results in a change of direction. I was headed the wrong way and I, and I realized that that wasn't true, that wasn't right. And I repented and I turned to God. That's what it means. Repentance toward God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you read Acts chapter 3 and, and uh, Luke chapter 24 and in the book of Romans and other places, you'll see this. Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. Because when you repent, you turn to God. You received a gift of forgiveness. Forgiven. Let me ask you today, have your sin, has your sin been forgiven? By the way, it's not like God wants us to come and try to remember every sin we've ever committed and confess all that to us and Him, him save us that way. Because there's no way you can remember all the times you lied. Or remember, right? Or remember all the wrong that you've done. Here's what you can do though. You can recognize, God, I'm a sinner. I don't even realize just how big of a sinner I am. But I've heard about you being a savior and I repent. I come to you and I ask you to save me. He'll save you. Amen. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Don't let any group or any individual tell you that it's not. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can be forgiven. Have you done that? Have you repented towards God and placed faith in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted Him? Then on the authority of the Word of God, then you've been forgiven of your sin. Now, as a believer, you're still going to sin, and, and, but that doesn't stay in, change your state of sonship or daughtership with God. But you ought to confess your sin to Him and forsake it. Say, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. Would you forgive me? And He has the power to forgive. But if today you say, I've never repented towards God and placed faith in Jesus Christ, then today is the day of salvation for you. Let's stand today with every head bowed and every eye closed. You can stay where you are in your sin, guilt, and shame. You can lie there in your past. Or you can hear the call of the one who has authority to say your sins are forgiven. And you can come to him and he'll forgive you. And he'll change you and you'll walk away different than you've ever been before. Father, today... I pray in the name of our Lord and Savior that you would help, dear God, that those that, first of all, do not know you as Savior, that they would come and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, dear God, I pray for those that are saved and they're still paralyzed by their past, not because they're not born again, but because they're allowing the things of their past to keep them from the walk that you want them to have today. And I pray that you'd help them to respond as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.